And I'm excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. So go ahead and grab your Bible, pull it out, and I would like for you to meet me in the book of Hosea, and specifically chapter 2. Hosea is in the Old Testament, and it's right after the book of Daniel, and right before the book of Joel. And if that still doesn't help you, then I would highly encourage you to consult a table of contents. There's no shame in that. If you have to do that, Hosea is kind of an obscure book that we don't hear a lot of messages out of. And some of you may have never heard a single message out of this book. You may have never even studied a single passage out of this book this morning. But that's where we're going to be at this morning. And if you're willing and able, out of respect for the Word of God and as a show of unity across our homes, I would ask you to please join me in standing as we read the Word of God this morning. In Hosea chapter 2, starting in verse 14, God's Word says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word this morning. And it's my prayer in these next few moments that you would replace anything that would be my thoughts or my opinions, God, and instead give us your truth. May you bless the reading and the studying and the hearing of your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for doing that. You can sit back down in your recliners, on your sofas. You can crawl back into your bed, wherever you were previously. Thank you for doing that with me this morning. I want to speak to you from the subject of Acor, Eeyore, and Ador. And so to give you some context of the passage that we just read so it doesn't seem completely random to you, Hosea was called by God to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. Israel had forsaken their relationship to God for idol worship, specifically to the idol of Baal. And so God has called Hosea out specifically to speak through him to call his people back into a right relationship with him. And he was going to use some vivid imagery in order to do that. And so his task for Hosea was to go and marry a woman named Gomer who would eventually end up being unfaithful in their marriage time and time again. And every time that she was unfaithful to Hosea, God would tell her, go find her, Hosea, and bring her back. Go find her, Hosea, and bring her back. And time and time again, he would do this. And the reason why God had him do that was to signify and symbolize his relationship to the nation of Israel. See, when we go after idol worship, God considers that spiritual adultery. It's just like us walking out on the covenants of our marriage, forsaking our spouse to go after somebody else. That's how God sees idol worship. And so he wanted to portray that image to his people, even though time and time again you have stepped out of our relationship, even though time and time again you have forsaken me to go after a false God in his love and his grace and his mercy, God continually will come back and find us and bring us back into relationship with him. And that was the picture he was showing his people through Hosea and his prophesying. But as I was studying through this book a while back, there was one specific detail that stuck out to me. And it's in verse 15 in the passage that we just read where God spoke, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. So I did some digging around and I found that this valley got its name from a previous event in Israelite history when the sin of Achan caused the people to experience a defeat at Ai when they were going into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 7, 
God's word says this. Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. And therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. And so in a time of trouble for the nation of Israel, as they're going into the promised land, Joshua is leading the people in. And they'd already experienced a massive victory at Jericho where they saw God bring the walls of that city down and gave them the ability to conquer those people. From there, they moved on to the city of Ai. And you would think after having won a major victory of impossibility at Jericho, Ai being a much smaller city would be no issue whatsoever. But this guy Achan, he had kept some things back for himself that God specifically told him not to do. And because of that sin, they suffered defeat. So when God uncovered that sin in the camp, the result was a stoning. They killed Achan and everyone that was associated with the sins that he had committed. And that's how this place got its name. Therefore, from that day on, that place is called the Valley of Achor. Now, Achor specifically, that word, Achor, means trouble. And so for Joshua and for the people of Israel, it was a time of trouble as they moved into the promised land, and that's how they remembered it. And then once again, here in Hosea, God's people have forsaken him and gone after a false idol. It's a time of trouble. It's a valley of trouble for them all over again. And you know, as I look around at the current state and the situation of the time that we're in, it feels like we're in a valley of trouble as well. It feels like we're in a significant time of trouble ourselves. I mean, we're still battling a pandemic. We're still facing trouble with our health, and not just physically, but also mentally and spiritually and emotionally. We're battling trouble over politics right now. We're battling trouble across our schools. We're battling trouble in our streets. We're battling trouble in our homes, and it's troubling all across the board. It isn't just affecting one specific group of people. It's trouble across the board for everybody. For those of you that are elderly, this is a time of trouble. Because of the situation and the circumstance that we've been in, you're having to exercise more caution now than you have at any other time. Because of the time of trouble that we're in, it's affecting your way of life. You can't get out and go like you used to. You can't be around the people that you're used to being around. We're entering into a holiday season. And a lot of us are being affected in a troubling way because we can't get together with some of our family members that are elderly. And some of our elderly family members can't get together with some of our younger family members because of the time of trouble that we're in. So it's hard for you guys. But it's also hard for our our adults, our young and our middle-aged adults in the sense that a lot of us have had jobs take a hit over the troubling times that we're in. You might have possibly even lost your job here recently because of the troubling times that we're in. And then on top of that, those of us that have the blessing of kids have the burden of decisions. What are we going to do with our kids? Are we going to send them to school or are we going to keep them at home? Are we going to do virtual or am I going to start homeschooling? And how is that going to work with my job situation? I don't have the time to be able to do this. And on top of that, they want to play sports. So do I let them play sports or do I not let them play sports? Do I let them go hang out with their friends or do I make them stay at home and keep them inside our plastic bubble where we've surrendered up the house to keep all this bad stuff out? It's a troubling time for our adults. But it's not just our elderly and it's not just our adults. It's also the youth. You guys are missing out on some milestone events In your life, they're being altered because of the troubling times that we are walking through. You're missing out on 
milestone events that a lot of us got to enjoy in their fullness, but that's being altered for you guys and the times that we're going through. And so all of this together it really has created for us a valley of acor, a valley of trouble. And it hasn't been easy. When I was a kid, I loved Winnie the Pooh. Whether it was watching a video or reading a book, I loved Winnie, and I loved the characters that were found all throughout the Hundred Acre Woods. But one specific character who we all know and love in some specific way was Eeyore. You remember Eeyore, right? Eeyore was a donkey that lived in the Hundred Acre Woods with Winnie, and we all know Eeyore for his attitude and his outlook on life. Eeyore was endlessly pessimistic. Eeyore was gloomy, and Eeyore, for the most part, was just generally depressed. He always had a glass-half-empty perspective, expecting the worst to always be exactly what happened. And for the most part, Eeyore kind of held a pretty poor perspective of everybody else around him. In one instance, as Piglet's walking down the trail in the woods, he passes by Eeyore and tells him good morning. And Eeyore's response back to Piglet was, I guess it is, for some. That's just how he was. He was endlessly pessimistic. He was gloomy. He was depressed. He was just kind of woe is me all the time. That's the attitude that Eeyore had, and that's the outlook that he had on life. It was never just the glass is half full. It's always half empty, and that's just the attitude that he carried. And so why in the world am I bringing Eeyore into this? Because I believe as Christians that this valley of trouble that we're in, it's turned a lot of us into Eeyores. We've been immersed in these troubling times for so long that the situation and the circumstances of it all have turned us into gloomy, depressed, pessimistic people with a glass half-empty perspective, expecting the worst to happen, all the while developing a pretty poor opinion of everybody else around us. And I can speak to this because that's exactly how I've been here lately. Because of everything that's been going on in our world, and because of the situation and the circumstances of it, I'll confess it's turned me into an Eeyore. I am doom and gloom. I expect the worst to always happen. If we plan an event with our college students, I expect nobody to show up. If I try to plan something outside of that to hang out with some people, I expect it to fall through. If we have a service, I expect nobody to show up because of somebody's sick or somebody's quarantined. And so it's just turned me into an Eeyore-type personality. And I think a lot of you are probably struggling with the same kind of thing. Whether it be with your job or whether it be in your houses or whether it be making plans with friends, you're struggling and expecting the worst because that's just kind of how things are this year. Every time we seem to get a little bit of momentum, something happens to change it and send it back in the wrong direction. And so because of that, we've all kind of become just Eeyore in our personality. We're just doom and gloom. We're just woe is us constantly. But God showed me something over the past couple of days. And I've got to show it to you. And this isn't the main attraction of this message, but we've got to step over and see it for a second. This is what God began to speak into my life and reveal the past couple of days. It's that your attitude reflects your appetite. Your attitude reflects what your appetite consumes. Do you know what Eeyore's primary food was in his diet? Thistles. 
thistles. I mean, it's no wonder the guy was in a bad mood all the time. Could you imagine that the primary food in your diet was trying to choke down some thistles? I don't fault the guy for being in a bad mood now that I know what his main diet was. But in all seriousness, a lot of us spend hours consuming news off of the TV. A lot of us spend hours filtering through the papers, whether it be the local paper, the USA Today or something like that, consuming all the news that's in there. A lot of us spend hours scrolling through social media, seeing all the turmoil, seeing all the unrest that's out there, listening to any variety of opinions that people have on what's going on with the election results and all this other stuff that's going on. A lot of us will spend hours consuming podcasts that have nothing to do to benefit us, but it's just taking in somebody else's perspective once again. It's listening to somebody else's opinion. It's hearing somebody else's attitude towards the situation that we're in. A lot of us spend hours listening to talk show radio and the negative opinions and the negative perspective that you find on those media sources and those media outlets. Let me, let me say this. It's no wonder when we take in all those things, it's no wonder our mood and our attitude is like it is. It's no wonder that we become Eeyores as well because all that stuff is thistles and we're just choking it down. Let me encourage you this morning a little bit, church. Stop feeding on thistles and start feeding on truth. Turn off the TV and the radio. Put down the phone for a little bit and find a quiet place to steal your soul. And when you, consume your, when you consume God's Word, your attitude will change from Eeyore, Eeyore, to good Lord. Good Lord. Good Lord, I'm blessed. Good Lord, I'm favored. Good Lord, I'm redeemed. Good Lord, I'm restored. It's amazing how your attitude will simply change just by what you consume with your appetite. So get into God's Word. Get an appetite for His voice. Get an appetite for His Word. Spend your time there. And let's get this Eeyore attitude out of our lives, me specifically included. And change our appetites to consume something that shapes a better thought process within our hearts and within our lives. When you get into this, you can't help but say, good Lord, there's some good stuff in here. I don't have to choke down the thistles that the world is feeding me. But the people Hosea is prophesying to, they're, they're in a valley of trouble. They're, they're in a time of trouble. And I look around and I think we're in the same kind of place. We're in a valley of trouble. We're in a time of trouble. What are we going to do about this situation? It doesn't seem to ever get any better. We get some momentum and then we have a setback and then we get some momentum and then we have a setback. And hear the word of the Lord in Hosea chapter 2. In the valley of Achor, I will make a door. There's a door. There's a door. In the midst of trouble, there's a door of hope. And this is what I really feel like God has put me here to encourage you with and show you today. A door can be used as either an exit or an entrance. And so a door can be used as your way out of something or into something. And throughout the Bible, there is a pattern of God doing exactly what He told Hosea right here, providing a door out of trouble and into hope. All throughout Scripture, we have this pattern of God providing a door out of one thing and in to something else. And I want to show you some of this pattern. This is obviously not an exhaustive list, 
But I think these things that I pulled out specifically can really help the attitude of the things that we're struggling with specifically right now in our lives. In Exodus chapter 3, we find that the Word of God says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. When God heard the cry of His people in Egyptian bondage, He provided a door out of bondage and in to freedom. And He did the same thing for us as believers today in Romans chapter 6. God's Word says, We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free. So God has a way of providing a door out of bondage and into freedom. He did it for His people when they were in Egyptian bondage to give them freedom into the promised land. He did it for us by providing a door out of our bondage in sin to freedom in Him. There's a door. God provides a door out of and into in John chapter 11. Lazarus is sick and he's ill. And Jesus speaking to Martha and Mary, his sister, says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So Lazarus is sick. He's fallen ill and they've sent word to Jesus that he needs to come quick because the situation is desperate and it doesn't look good. And by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has died. He's passed from this life to the next. He's been in the grave for a few days now. But Jesus shows up on the scene and he provides a door out of death and into life. Lazarus come out and then Lazarus walks out of the tomb, out of death and into life. In the same way, God did the same thing for us. He provided a door out of death and into life. Because I read in His Word, though we were dead in our sins, we have been made alive in Christ. So once again, there's a door. There's a door out of and into. Mark chapter 4. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boats that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you do not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. When the disciples encountered a raging storm at sea, and all the chaos was going on around them, they awoke Jesus. And Jesus spoke to the storm and calmed the waves and calmed the sea. And calm the clouds. Jesus provided a door out of chaos and into a calm. He says, after he, after he awoke and rebuked him, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus provided a door out of their chaos and into a calm. Listen, there is no doubt that we are living in a chaotic time right now. Jesus is our door out of that chaos and into a place of calm. Matthew chapter 6, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added 
to you when Jesus perceived the hearts of the people in the crowds following and that they were full of anxiety and stress and worry. He turns around and speaks to them and shows them that he is the door out of anxiety and into trust. A lot of us, I know, are battling anxiety right now over the situations and the circumstances that are taking place around us and the uncertainty, it seems, of all things that we're having to deal with. But Jesus provides a door out of your anxiety and into a place of trust. Once again, it's a door out of and a door into. Time and time again, God makes a door of hope available, and it doesn't end there. Psalm chapter 42, the psalmist writes, Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. When David was in a time of trouble and depression tempted to overwhelm his heart, God was his door out of a depressed state and into a place of hope, just like He is for us. Some of you are battling depression, hoping God. God is your door out of that place of depression and into a place of hope, just like he was for David as he's running from his life from Saul and all the people that were seeking to kill him. All throughout his life, David faced enemies that seek to take his life. And if that was us, we would be in a place of depression probably as well. I mean, the circumstances and the situations of our time are difficult enough as they are. But David constantly, for the better half of his life, spent his Time running in fear from the people who were seeking to kill him. And depression was always tempting to take over his heart. But he says, hope in God. My salvation. Are you in a place of depression right now? God will provide a door out of your depression and into a place of hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. And so I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. At a moment when Paul thought the ministry was about to suffer a setback, Jesus opened up a door out of defeat and into victory. He thought something bad had happened to his brother. He thought the whole ministry was going to face a setback as a result of it. But Jesus opened up a door out of what Paul thought was going to be a defeat and opened up a door into a victory that led them into a place where ministry flourished and where people gave their life to Christ and they saw great fruit from their labor. Listen, you may be feeling defeated right now, and I think a lot of us are. One of the things I have battled the most here recently is an attitude of defeat because it feels like we can't get a win in any way possible. A lot of us are feeling defeated right now, but listen to me. God provides a door through Jesus out of defeat and into victory. Thanks be to God who leads us in triumphal procession. We sang the old hymn, O Victory, In Jesus. That's so much more than just a statement. It's a declaration of truth. We have victory in Christ this morning. So if you're a believer, you're living in a place of defeat. Victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He provides a door out of your defeat and in to victory. John chapter 14. 
Jesus says, I, I leave peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When the disciples felt fear crawling up their spine, Jesus says, I am your door out of fear and into peace. I know there's a lot of fear being dealt with right now as well. On top of the anxiety, on top of the depression, on top of the defeat, there's this overwhelming spirit of fear that is presiding over God's people, it seems like, because there's so much uncertainty, there's so much unrest. And it is a fearful time. It can be a fearful time. And it was for the disciples as well, as Jesus was coming close to this time being up. And he kept saying things like, I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to be here much longer. I can't stay here with you guys much longer. I'm going away. Fear began to creep into their hearts because imagine not having the one who had led you for three and a half years with you anymore. Fear began to creep into their lives. Jesus turns around and says, guys, don't be fearful. I'm your door out of fear and into peace. We've all fought fear in many ways recently. But once again, there's a door. Jesus is your door out of fear and in to peace. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When Paul was tempted by the enemy with the failures of his past, he remembered how Jesus was his door out of the old, out of his past, and into a new creation in him. In the same way, Jesus is our door out of our old and into something new. Time and time again, example after example after example of God providing a door out of and into. And he did the same thing for his people in the book of Hosea. We're not done with that. I want you to go back to me in chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 16. I want you to see what God says directly after this. So he's speaking to Hosea. And he says, I know they're, they're in a valley of ache, or they're in a valley of trouble, or they're in a time of trouble, but I will make a door of hope. It's not a hopeless situation. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my bell. For I will remove the names of the bells from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So for God's people, He makes a door out of their unrighteousness and into righteousness, out of injustice and into justice, out of hatred and into steadfast love, out of wrath and into mercy, even though time and time again they had rebelled, even though time and time again they had forsaken God to go after things that were false and untrue, to go after gods that had done absolutely nothing for them and that weren't even tangible, that weren't even real. And God says, I will provide a door of hope. I will bring you out of this time of trouble that you're in. And I will replace your unrighteousness with my righteousness. And I will replace your injustice with my justice. And I will replace your hatred with a steadfast love. And I will replace my wrath and give you mercy instead. And then we see Jesus go on and say in John chapter 10, this is the whole point of the message. And it proves everything that I hope to have spoken into your life this morning. And Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In and out. Door, out, in. In, out. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So you might be in bondage, but there's a door. You might be walking in death, but there's a door. You may be in a time of chaos, but there's a door. You might be filled with anxiety, but there's a door. You may be battling depression, but there's a door. You may feel defeated, but there's a door. You may be crippled by fear, but there's a door. And that door is Jesus. In a core, I've got a door. Come on, somebody put it in the chat. I wish you guys were here this morning to help me preach this message. Put it in the comment section. I've got a door. I've got a door. I've got a door. No matter how deep the valley gets, we have a door of hope in Jesus Christ. I've got a door. I might be in Acor. I might be in a time of trouble. I might be in a valley of trouble. But I've got a door. Jesus has been, is currently, and always will be our door out of trouble and into hope. This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.